Hey everyone, so glad that you've decided to join us this Easter. Hey, if you were able to join us on Friday night uh, for our, our prayer over, over the city, I want to just thank you for participating. Thanks for being a part of that. I know that God is up to something really, really special as I talk to many of you uh, just personally, just knowing that God's at work. And I'm just, I just want to tell you, I just think that God's going to do something really, really special in the, in the days to come. And so uh, let's continue uh, to keep our posture of prayer and expect God uh, to move through this time. Um, also, another thing that I just want to let you guys know, and I'm super thankful uh, for each one of you, as we've walked alongside West Hills Elementary School, which is where we usually meet and gather, um, we were able to uh, sponsor all the children who had need during this time another week. In, in one day, 24 hours, again, uh, you guys banded together and supplied all the needs that the school let us know. So uh, be ready because probably next week and maybe the next week we might have some more need. But I just want to say thank you. Thanks again for being a church that's not just talking uh, the gospel, but walking the gospel. Thank you so much, uh, Sylvia and Holly, for putting that together and making it happen. Hey, if you've decided to join us today, I don't know your background or where you're from, uh, but first thing I want to do is just say welcome. And uh, no matter where you are in your walk or in your journey, no matter what you're facing today, I believe if you've tuned into this, I believe that maybe God has a really, really special plan for you. And my prayer as we open up the word today is that it would be a, a great freedom in your life, that it would help bring clarity to, to your life, your situation, and not just right now, but maybe in the future. And it gives us a great expectation for what's coming because this is the God we serve, the God of great hope. And so as we open up the, the scriptures today, you can type it in your phone. You can open up your word. We're going to be in Acts chapter 17. Uh, it's the book of Acts chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 22, and I'm going to read through 32. That's 10 verses. So hang on tight, and let's start reading our story, and then we'll explain kind of what's, what's going down. So you ready? Acts 17, start in verse 22. So Paul... Standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of your dwelling place. Literally, he's given purpose where you are and when you are. This is from God. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, literally turn a different direction, realize. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, 
He has given assurance to all of us by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to mock, but others said, we will hear you again about this. Our series title is titled uh, Beautiful. And it's titled Beautiful. We, we thought about this because everybody has a different idea of maybe what beautiful is. I don't know about you, but maybe you, uh, once upon a time, uh, or probably you know somebody like this, you had a great idea one day, and you had a, a wonderful picture in your head of a beautiful tattoo. You decided, based upon that idea of your body enhancing in a certain way, you decided to go down to the, to the, to the tattoo parlor and get that picture that you thought was so beautiful, and you got it permanently put on your body. <laughs> if you've had that for any amount of time, uh, maybe years later, uh, you might look in the mirror and you say, what was I thinking? Your idea of beautiful may have shifted. Maybe you're uh, walking down the street and you're walking with your friends and you say, man, he or she, that beautiful. And your friend looks at you and says, what? You think beautiful? Beauty is often in the eye of the beholder. And that's exactly as Paul begins to speak to the Athenians. Beauty had, uh, was, was in their own interest or their own ideas. And he notices this by walking their streets and seeing that they're a very religious people. Based upon what they have imagined as beautiful or what they have deemed valuable, they have created shrines, they've created altars all through the city as they begin to serve these things that they consider beautiful. Paul looks at them and says, hey, listen, the time is for this ignorance is done. You guys are very religious and you're very committed and I applaud you for that, but you're smart people. How can God be imagined by you? How can you attribute uh, value to something and declare it a God? How can it actually be a God from your own creation? God is above your creation. In fact, God has created all things, so how could you possibly create Him? And why would He possibly need you? He, in fact, serves us and makes sure we have everything that we need. So He turns everything up on its head, and He begins to define for them what beautiful really is. He speaks of uh, what is truly beautiful by saying, the man Jesus Christ is the truly beautiful one. But he's truly beautiful because he has done something that no one else in all of history has ever done. He has said, I will die and I will come back to life. Paul says, based upon what he has accomplished, his truth claim has given rise to the reality that what he said really matters. If you're a skeptic today, I welcome you. Very glad that you're tuning in today. But we have to do something about this resurrection. We have to do something about this Jesus. If he's a real person and he really did walk the earth and he really was put in a grave and he really did come out of a grave, in some way or another, it's either the greatest hoax of all time, 
But we're sitting here talking 2,000 years later about a man who said he was going to rise from the dead. We're talking about a man named Jesus. And Paul says, because this truth is so extravagant, because it trumps everything else, there's nothing really greater than this truth claim. He is the truly beautiful one. And he's worthy of our attention. You know, times haven't really changed all that much. It's not very different from today. At some place, when, when Paul tells them this truth, some say, that's not for me. And some say, I'll hear more. You know, to be honest with you, uh, part of, of my life, I'm very, I'm very comfortable with a God who says, I want to enhance your life. In fact, I believe we live in a day uh, where we uh, have a form of spirituality that really helps us become the better me. Or we get a piece of God that enhances my lifestyle. But in the reality of the situation, uh, Christianity and, and Jesus isn't really about enhancing our personal life. It's about transforming and us actually losing our life and getting a brand new life. It's actually about rebirth. It's about a new creation. This is what Jesus wants to offer us. This is what Jesus has actually earned uh, by his death, burial, and resurrection. The place in which he is given, he wants to extend to us true life. In fact, apart from him, what he says is, we don't have life at all. So he can't enhance something that doesn't actually exist. He wants to give you something brand new. So today, if you're sitting there and you're saying, I don't have this life. This life is found in Jesus. I will say what Paul says, this true life, this true beauty that you have been searching for isn't just a product of your imagination. It's a person and his name is Jesus. I'll give you an example like this. Uh, a lot of us, we might appreciate a God who would allow us to walk into a party and we see 20 people uh, in, in the room and we see the 20 that we want to impress. And so we, we, want, we want a God who, who flips a switch on for us that makes us a little bit more attractive, a little bit more influential, uh, enhances our qualities to make us an attractive being here in this place. But the Christian life, if we are to live the transformed life, if we're to actually receive a rebirth or an awakening, if we actually receive this from Jesus, then here's what's going to happen in your life. In fact, when we walk into the party, it's not we see the 20 people that we want to get close to that can get us somewhere. We walk into the party and we see uh, 60 people. We notice, we actually notice the people we never noticed before. Because what we understand is everybody has been ascribed a value. And this thing is not really all about me. God has actually sent me into the situation. God has sent us, and we have a purpose where we are, when we are. This is the beauty of following Jesus. But how does Paul display this life of beauty? He gives us a great picture of what it actually looks like as he enters the scene of almost like the party. He enters the courtroom, if you will. And how does Paul react in the courtroom? What well, he turns tables over, right? He throws things around. No, that's not what it says. He enters the scene and what? He hugs everybody and tells them, hey, listen, it's fine. Y'all, your truth is your truth and it's totally fine. No problem here. Just do as you will. It's all good. We're all good here. I'm good. You're good. Just continue on as business as usual. That's not what Paul does either. He does something very different. And you find where it began in Acts 17, verse 16. It's just right above the verses that are read. And it says this, his pulse, Paul's spirit was provoked. Underline that word provoked 
within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. The word provoked means, means fever, to almost rise in a fever. But how it's used in the other verses of the scriptures, there's a couple different ways that it's used. You see here, it's got a little bit of a negative connotation. As he sees something he doesn't agree with, there's a fever that rises within him. But Hebrews 10 verse 24 says this, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good words. That word stir up is the very same idea that is spoken of in Acts chapter 17. Let us think of how to encourage. Let us think of how to bring others up into a fever that we might be an encouragement of love to one another. There's a negative connotation with the word and there's a positive. So what's it saying? That Paul is provoked in a very unique way. It could have just given a very different word, but it gives a very specific word. And so it's meant to be there. Every word in the scripture is meant to be there. And it's meant for us to dive in and really understand what it's actually saying to us. What did he do? He did exactly what Jesus did. Think about how Jesus meets the woman at the well. Do you remember that story? There's a woman who's drawing water in the middle of the day. And Jesus walks up to her and he begins to have a conversation. That seems normal today, but in that day, very abnormal actually. Jesus is always meeting people right where they are. But in fact, nobody would have met this woman. She was uh, maybe a little bit promiscuous woman. She had a reputation, but Jesus wasn't afraid of the reputation. He's not afraid of yours either. He walks up to the woman and he begins to have the conversation. He starts off light, asks her about her life, and she tells him that she's not married. And he says, yeah, you're right. You actually had several husbands, and the one that you're living with now isn't even your husband. Shocked, she doesn't know what to think. She begins to ask him questions, and he begins to give her the answers. Think about, or, or Lazarus, think about when, when Lazarus, the, the man, dies, and he has two sisters that are very distraught about this. They come to Jesus, one being Mary and Martha. Martha walks up to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you had just been here, my brother wouldn't be dead. What does Jesus do? He almost speaks right to her and he says, listen, what are you worried about? Believe me, trust me. But then his sister follows not long after, walks right up to him, says nearly the very same thing, and you get a very different response from Jesus. You get a, a weeping response from Jesus. He begins to cry. Think about as Jesus enters Jerusalem. Here's another example. As he enters the city, we talked about this last week, he was riding in on a donkey. He looks out over the city and with tears in his eyes, he begins to weep over the city. And he says, if you only understood peace, if you only knew what peace was right at your fingertips, entering your city today is peace and you don't even know it. The next day, he enters the temple and he doesn't enter with tears, but he enters with a whip and he drives out all of the all of the money changers in his temple, in his father's house. And he says, listen, this is not a place for thieves. This is a place, this is my father's house. And I'm going to drive out anything that is in the way of people meeting my father. My house, my father's house is going to be a house of prayer. Jesus comes uh, and, and meets us right where we are, but he delivers oftentimes two different responses. One being tears and one being justice. 
You see, if we, if we get Jesus off kilter, if we get him off balance, some views of God, we go to the extreme, our pendulum swing. We see God as this uh, very conservative. You've got a very, very conservative view of God. You might be extreme. You see him as extremely wrath-filled. You like the picture of Jesus entering the temple with whips and going, get out of here, get out of here. We like Jesus stepping up at the woman at the well and saying, yeah, you, you, you have uh, several husbands and the guy you're living with isn't, isn't even the one that you're married to. We like the idea that he meets Martha and says, man, you need to change your way. Or there's another side where we view God and we see him in a very liberal sense maybe. And we, li- we, we like the idea of him walking up at the woman at the well and never actually speaking a truth to her, but just literally hugging her and, and allowing her just to be her. We may like the idea that Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem and just has tears, but he never enters the temple with whips. We might like the idea of him weeping with Mary, but never talking to Martha. But Jesus gives us a a very clear picture of who God himself is. You see, he weeps over Jerusalem, but he cares enough about Jerusalem to actually give the truth. You see, I'm only going to give the truth to somebody that I truly love. When I care enough about you to let you know that there is a better way, truth or love is really involved. But I don't believe at all that it is actual love if we do one of these without the other. You must have grace and truth together. And the truth is, that Paul does the very same thing that Jesus models for us. Paul enters the city. God's all around. He's brought to a fever. But he doesn't hug everyone and say, just stay where you are. But he doesn't beat them either. He says this. He says, listen, I perceive, I see. I see that you're very, very religious. You're regiment. I'm impressed. But listen, you guys are smart people. How could you imagine a God? Don't you understand that if God is real and I want to tell you that he is and his name is Jesus and here's why I believe that he is who he says he is, his truth claim is beyond anything. He's given us proof. It's not just imagination. We've seen him. I'm here to tell you the story of the one that I've seen. You see, if we try to make God what he isn't, then we won't experience God. Listen to this. If you try to make God what he isn't, then you will never experience God. Psalm 94, 17 says this, If the Lord has not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. If you've lived any amount of time and you've just looked for a silver lining in life, maybe you've looked for one in a consistent place. I don't know about you, but I've lived long enough to figure out that life is full of great things, but it's full of disappointments. And if I am looking for any consolation in my life, if I'm looking for any help in my life in finding it here in this place, I'm going to be sorely disappointed. And so what the psalmist is saying is, if the Lord had not been my help, I would have gone to the place where honestly, I become a cynic, I'm upset, I'm a little bit angry, and I get to the place where I go, forget this thing. The land of silence. Who cares anymore? What is the meaning to all of this thing? 
Maybe today you're feeling like you're living in the land of silence. I listened to an inspired song, and I know that you've probably heard it from one of your poets, one of your artists, Demi Lovato. She wrote this song, and I'm going to read part of it to you. She says this, I tried to talk to my piano. I tried to talk to my guitar. Talked to my imagination, confided into alcohol. I tried and tried and tried some more, told secrets till my voice was sore, tired of empty conversation because no one hears me anymore. A hundred million stories and a hundred million songs. I feel stupid when I sing. Nobody's listening to me. Nobody's listening. I talk to shooting stars, but they always get it wrong. I feel stupid when I pray. So why am I praying anyway? If nobody's listening, anybody, please, anyone. Lord, is there anyone? I need someone. Oh, anyone. Please send me anyone. Lord, is there anyone? I need someone. Maybe this is you today. If this is not you today, I guarantee you it's someone that you know today. The psalmist said, if the Lord had not helped me, I would have gone to the place of silence. There is a land of silence, my friend. And if the Lord does not help you, you will go there. You will walk to the place of cynicism. Life does happen and it gets hard. But the Lord promises that he will be a present help. What do I do? Go to the cross today. Look to the cross. He's like, give me a break. See, the cross isn't just a fix for your life, but it points you to the severity of God. It actually points you to the surrender place. I don't want this kind of God to be a part of my life. He points you to actually the end of life, actually seeing life as it truly is. You see the grace of God poured out on, on us through what happened on the cross, but you see the severity of what happened on the cross and you see that God deals with this in a very severe way. He's not playing around. He's not messing around. But the story is not over at the cross. You see, today we celebrate that death and sin could not hold Jesus and he was raised from the dead and he gives us hope in the face of sin and death. Being raised from the dead, what he says really matters. See, that act right there validates everything that he actually says. If Jesus never raises from the dead, what he said truly doesn't matter. So if you're a cynic today, if you're a skeptic today, I want to encourage you, discover whether or not Jesus actually raises from the dead. And if he doesn't, let me know. Send me a comment. If, you've, if you find information that actually delegitimizes the raising of Jesus, then I want to hear you because what he said before that doesn't matter because he's the greatest liar of all time. But if the resurrection truly happened, was what Paul says, this is what validates this guy. If the resurrection truly happens, then what he said truly matters. I've got three questions as maybe you're a believer today and on this Easter Sunday, I want to give three questions uh, that may help evaluate maybe where we are personally. Number one, what are you looking for to help you? The psalmist says, if the Lord hadn't helped me, I would have walked to my land of silence. 
Are you living in the land of silence, but you've know, you know about this? You know about the good news? What, what are you looking for to help you today? Number two, are you allowing God to define beauty in this season? Have you begun to imagine what beautiful could be? Or are you looking to what he actually declares as beautiful? Have you set up an idol based upon your own imagination and thought? It's very possible. I want to tell you, if you have, you're, you're not alone. This is the nature of man. And the flesh still rises up in us sometimes. And it still has a desire that is contrary to the desires of God. The third thing, that the, the question that I have is, do you see his purpose and place for you today? Do you see his purpose and place for you today? I'd love to hear an answer from you or a comment. If you have any question or concern, I, I, I want to encourage you, would you send us a message? Would you comment on this video? Would you send us a DM at Concord West Hills at any of our social media platforms? And we just want to connect with you for, with a conversation. Psalm 94 continues though, and it says, when I thought my foot slipped, maybe you think your foot is slipping today. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. The word consolation literally means comfort. Your consolations, your comforts have not just eased my soul, do you need your soul to be eased today? Well, let me tell you, the truth of, of the cross and the truth of the resurrection doesn't just ease us. It brings cheer to us. It actually fuels our life to walk a very, very different road in a day where there doesn't feel like much fuel on my flames, you know? It feels like a, a drag on the party. But the truth of the resurrection actually is that the grave is empty. And so now we have a great hope, not just for today, but for the future. It's not a temporary, it's an eternal. You see, the consolation and the comfort in all of this story today is this, that Jesus, he faces the mocking, he faces the sin, he faces the death head on. A terrible foe, a terrible enemy. And if you and I were to face that alone today, I'm not sure that we are victorious there's nothing in ourselves. There's nothing powerful enough to conquer something like that. But you see, Jesus, the one who said, I will die and I will resurrect. If that be true, then based upon that being fact, he then looks out over the people and says, I want to give you my peace now. I have conquered. I have won. Now you don't have to fight for a win. I won for you. And I want to impart to you a win. I want to give you my favor because I've earned it. This is wonderful news. Now we can look and he transforms our relationship to sin, to death, to the afterlife. And he transforms the idea of death as an enemy to a friend. It's somebody who doesn't defeat us, but invites us into the eternity for which we belong secured. Jesus faces sin and death. He conquers them. And as you think about how he is raised on the third day, what happens next? In the story, his friends have all abandoned. They've hidden in a, in a room. They've locked themselves away. They're living in fear. That day, he doesn't just open the locks. He walks right through the door. They're shocked to see him. 
fear has gripped their life. They're living in disappointment. I would say they are living in the land of silence that day. Jesus enters the land of silence. And he doesn't beat them down. He doesn't accuse them. He says, look, here I am. Do you believe me? Look at the wounds of my hands. Look at the wound in my side. It really happened, but I'm really here. And I haven't given up on you. Today, the past several days, might have seemed super grim, but I'm here with you now. And you might not have strength to face tomorrow, but I'm here to say, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I've risen from the dead to give you hope today. And the scripture says that he breathes over them and he says, my peace that I'm going to leave with you. And he breathes over them and he says, I give you the Holy Spirit. Today, maybe you need a fresh touch from him. Maybe you need the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth of what the Bible says is that he wants to give that to you today. We might not be gathering in a large gathering today, but I promise you that if you desire for the Lord Jesus Christ to meet you right in your house, he will. But would you allow him? Would you invite him? Would you stop holding the door shut? And would you open the door uh, to the King Jesus who desires to meet you right where you are? He will comfort you, but he will not let you stay where you are. He wants to show you what real life really looks like. He wants to give you a hope for the future. He wants to bring you into a brand new tomorrow, a hope and a future. And inside that hope and a future, he promises that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will be with you always. But you have to come to the idea or the realization that you need him. And if you've come to that place where you're in the land of silence today, he wants to meet you just like the psalmist said. If the Lord had not been my help, he desires to help you no matter where you are. But you cannot imagine a way out yourself. You must come to Jesus, the Lord, who is actually king. He's in charge. So we've got to come to the Lord that he might be my help. I cannot help myself. And if you're in that place of surrender today, then you're in a very, very good place. In the place of surrender, Jesus will meet you right there. But in the place of surrender, maybe you find yourself a believer. Maybe you know the truth and you've, you've got your eternity secure, but you've begun to walk in a direction that you know is contrary to his call in your life. Then in order to stop that, in order to begin to experience the blessing of the resurrection, I've got to invite Jesus to actually be my help. What does he call you to in this, in this season of your life? Step into that and receive brand new life. It's available to you. He showed you the way to go. Now step in. If you don't know Jesus today and you're unsure about what it looks like in the days ahead to have your hope secured, I want to encourage you, if you want a conversation, reach out, shoot us a DM, shoot us a message, and we want to have a conversation with you. We want to help you understand. Maybe you got more questions like the Athenians. Some stuck around and said, I want to hear more. Some said, I'm good. So today, that's exactly what's going to happen today. Some of us will say, I want more. If you want more, I want to invite you, would you join us the next several weeks as we help unpack what God actually describes as beautiful in these days. Not from our imagination, but based upon what he accomplished and what he did, he has the full right to describe what true beauty really is. 
And we have the option or the opportunity to actually receive it, to step in and begin to follow him in the way of true beauty. Today, would you allow Jesus to give you a, a perfect picture of what true beauty really is? And I want to tell you, he will. He will meet you right where you are. And true beauty is found in the person of Jesus. Look to the cross, but it doesn't stop there. Look to the empty tomb. Where is he now? He's not dead. He's alive, my friend. He's alive. And today he reigns and he invites you to come walk a life with him. If you desire that today, call out to him. His name is Jesus and he will meet you. He will save you. He will forgive you and he will lead you to a life moving forward. If you've made that decision today, let us know. I want to come alongside you and uh, help support you in these days. My friends, I love you and I look forward uh, to being with you next week as we unpack further uh, what God's idea of beauty is.